Book, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and in the past several months, we have seen Florida school districts seeking their own local tax increases for either property taxes or sales taxes to help them pay for issues ranging from construction projects to teacher salaries to campus security. The Hillsborough County School District is the latest to do this. It jumped in at practically the last minute, putting its sales tax referendum on the November 6th ballot, and its goal has been to try and pay for improvements to air conditioning and other maintenance issues that had been ignored over a period of time because of a lack of funding. Hillsborough County Education reporter Marlene Sokol is here with me, and we're going to discuss what's going on in Hillsborough, the eighth largest school district in the nation. Well, it's our monthly conversation with you, Marlene Sokol. Welcome back to the podcast, and we get to talk about Hillsborough County Schools. It's great to be back. Last time we spoke, Hillsborough County was on the verge of putting a sales tax referendum on the ballot. Did they actually get all the work done to get it there? They got everything done. Uh, they, they, they had the OPAGA audit, and so that was posted in time. The county commission voted, you know, a procedural vote, so... It is on the ballot for November 6th. And so what specifically are they asking for? Because a lot of times it just gets kind of confusing because there's also another tax, right? A transportation tax going up at the same time. What are What's the schools asking for? Well, the school is asking for a half a percent for um, 10 years. And they've been conservative in their ask. They, they only want it for 10 years, and then they'll reevaluate and see if the public might want to renew it for another 10. But um, one reason they chose 10 years is because that's about the time when they will get out from under most of their mortgage debt. So, you know, right now, debt service is costing them $65 million a year right off the top of their capital budget. They get some relief for 10 years through the sales tax, and, and then they reevaluate. So it's a half a percent. It adds up to about $131 million a year. So over 10 years, it's $1.3 billion. About half of it would go for improvements and replacements of the air conditioners, which if you have a child in the school, I'm sure you've heard all about. And then the other half is divided between things like roofs and playgrounds and classroom technology, security, you know, fire safety, a lot of other capital needs. Now, I know we live in Florida and it's hot out there and air conditioning is critical. And I find it still hard to believe that the school district didn't maintain their air conditioning units. And I know that you looked into that to find out exactly why it came down to the point of they're asking for money basically to maintain what's a basic necessity in a Florida school. Yeah, and that's somewhat concerning. I I looked at the maintenance spending over the past 10 years. I I rolled it back a full 10 years for my story last weekend, and I looked at Hillsborough and compared it to not every school district, but all the ones in their weight class, the the Duvals, the Browards, Polk, uh, you know, Orange, Palm Beach, And consistently, Hillsborough has spent less on maintenance, whether you divide it per student, 
whether you calculate it as percentage of expenditures, they are almost at the very bottom. And uh, the Gibson Consulting Group, which uh, Superintendent Jeff Aikens hired a few years back when they had their budget crisis, they came to the same conclusion. Gibson also compared it um, spending per square foot. And they said Hillsborough is at the bottom and the gap is grow growing wider and wider. Now, one of the reasons uh, for that gap growing wider is because in the past five years, other school districts have gone to the voters and they do have these um, sales taxes and property taxes. And, you know, so they're getting more money. They're, they, they, they have already done what Hillsborough is now attempting to do. But the difference goes back a full decade, and it's, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of reasons, possible reasons why the disparity, but the end result is they have not been taking care of their physical facilities. Do we blame that on the local people? Do we blame it on the state, as the district has seemed to want to do? Who bears the burden for the kids now sitting in sticky hot classrooms? I, there, I think there's a lot of blame to go around. I think you can make a very strong case that the state has not funded education as it, as it should. Um, you know, Melissa Erickson, the advocate, um, you know, she's the founder of Alliance for Public Schools, and, and she put it very well at one of these town hall meetings. She said, look, you know, in the state of Florida, we are paying, we are funding education $5,000 below the national average per student, you know, and, and she was referring to the whole argument that took place among legislators. Did they, did they give the kids 47 cents this year or did they give them $101? She said, why can't we just be average? Why are we arguing over 47 cents versus $101 when we're $5,000 below the average? Um, specifically to capital funding, because districts have not been able to raise property taxes, the full two mills, as they call it, they've had their property tax money decreased by about 25%, which in Hillsborough County, they estimate that adds up to $400 million that they have not been able to get for their capital needs. And remember, the debt service, paying, paying mortgages, comes off of that capital budget anyway. So, so they've been squeezed. Now, that said, and that is the story that Superintendent Jeff Akins is telling at all of his town hall meetings, what he's not telling you and what the district communications people are not telling you is that Hillsborough County leadership made decisions over the last decade that contributed to this decline. Um, the single biggest decision was to go in with the Gates Foundation on teaching reforms. And there were a lot of costs and a lot of consequences related to that. Uh, about $200 million came out of the reserves, which is what put them in the financial crisis they've been in for the last three years. And it's made it more difficult for them to go out and pursue a referendum. In, in the years when other school districts like Orange County we're going out to the voters and saying, hey, you know, pay a sales tax for the schools, pay a property tax for the schools. Hillsborough County was so busy digging itself out of this budget crisis that they felt they did not have the credibility. So the problem that began maybe six or seven years ago became even worse. So I guess then what you have is a situation that became so dire, perhaps by their own doing, that now they can go and say, look how bad it is and we need to fix this. And 
And they are coming out. I know I was at a football game at Jefferson High School, and in addition to being handed a little brochure, as soon as I walked in the gate there, the announcer at least three times during the game said, have you heard about the Hillsborough County sales tax referendum? Take a look at this and find out more on this website. And then we got an email from the principal of my son's school saying, hey, you know, investment in education is important. Our school stands to get at least $500,000 to do our air conditioning, to do our roofs, to do our paving. And I'm sure that every school principal sent out something similar like that. So they're really hitting hard now on these issues. And and I wonder, is this a campaign that's even really rolling? Or is it just like piecemeal stuff that's coming out of the school district? And is the school district acting appropriately by sort of encouraging us rather than informing us? Those are very good questions, and, I, and I've been to a number of the presentations. The, the superintendent is all over town at these town hall meetings, chamber lunches. Um, at the town hall meetings, they always begin with a disclaimer. They said, we are here to inform you. This is not advocacy. This is information. And, but you have to take that disclaimer with a grain of salt because the fact that you know principals are putting things out on Twitter and it's all the same font, it's all the same wording, it just, you know, substitute Middleton for Stowers, and, you know, it's kind of customized to your school. It it is definitely an orchestrated campaign, and I have not heard anybody take issue with that. I have spoken to lawyers, I spoke to a couple of attorneys when this all started, and said, what can they do, and, and what can't they do? And I was told that they have quite a bit of leeway, you know, unless they say, we want you to vote for for this or vote for that, you know, you know, they avoid using the word vote. But just to present information that will strengthen their case, they have a lot of leeway. Um, In terms of the funding, um, that's being done by a political action committee, which is um, headed up by the head of the teachers union. The teachers union and the PTA, they, they are really the boots on the ground. And to give you an example, at the town hall meeting I was at at Wharton High School the other night, they had teachers union people with yard signs, you know, the SOS yard sign, and they were standing outside of the building and I'm not sure if it was exactly off school grounds, but I believe it was. It was the driveway that you leave as you're exiting Wharton High School. So as you were leaving the meeting, if you wanted to, you could roll down your window and one of the PTA people would hand you a yard sign, you know. But so they've been very careful. They've instructed their teachers, if you want to campaign for this, you can, but it has to be on your own time and off school grounds. Um, so, you know, they're, they're taking precautions to, to not have employees get in any trouble. I don't know if I wanted to challenge this, you know, may, but I haven't seen anybody challenge it. Well, I guess the main issue with that is that even though the school district wants this, and, and we may see that 80% of the voting public wants this, that there are still 20% or more of people who pay their taxes to the school district and don't want to see their taxes spent on a campaign for something that they don't even support. And that would be an inappropriate expense under the law as well. So I, I guess I can see why people have to really draw a careful line here. And we just have to make sure that they that they do. And it sounds like they have been pretty careful. But when they give you lines like investing in a child's schools is investing in his future, it sort of 
almost sounds like vote for this. It does sound like vote for this. I think in their defense, and I think one reason why they may not be getting much pushback is because when you think about it on purely humanitarian grounds, um, there are a lot of good reasons to vote yes for this. I mean, so I mean, because let's be realistic. It is very hot in the schools. Um, you know, how do you argue against something that is not just people's comfort, but it's safety? I mean, you have children with asthma. You have children who are being sent home from school with heat exhaustion. And there are people who I know personally who, who this has happened to, and they're furious. If my child had asthma and was in a hot school, that's dangerous. Um, there was a gentleman at one of the meetings who, who got up and spoke because his grandchild gets seizures, you know, if the classroom is too hot. So I, I think there's a very compelling humanitarian reason to either support the tax or at least not to oppose it, you know, because whether you have, if you don't have a child in the school, your neighbor has a child in the school or your friend has a child in the schools. Have you found anything in the competition there we're talking about between the transportation tax and the school tax that was the issue at the very beginning do we want to run these at the same time will they be competing with one another have you found anything to show that you know there's a negative head-to-head -head kind of thing about that or they have they started to work together at all I, I don't know that they're actually working together i do know that um, people who are supporting the schools tax at least what they're saying is we also support the transit tax. And, and, you know, I think even the superintendent said at one point, you know, Hillsborough County Public Schools is the biggest transit system, you know, probably in the, you know, at least in the region, possibly in the state with, with about a thousand school buses on the road every day. So, and, and similarly, people in the teachers unions who tend to skew liberal and so, you know, pro-transit. So, I have not really heard anybody say vote for one or not the other, at least not somebody who, whose voice is being heard. It, it is a lot of money if you put them together. It, it would raise the sales tax quite a bit, but I, I don't know that it's really much of a competition. And, and the other thing that I think the fear at the beginning was that the business community would be all in for transportation, and so they would resent the school's tax, you know, because the two might cancel each other out. What we've seen in recent weeks, the Chamber of Commerce unanimously, their board endorsed um, the, the school's tax, Tampa Bay Times editorial board endorsed it. And then, you know, we have people on the oversight committee, Chad Cronister, Betty Castor. These are prominent people. Um, John Likes, um, I'm sorry, John Sykes, correcting myself here, uh, you know, from F Sykes Corporation, they contributed heavily to all for transportation, um, but Mr. Sykes also contributed to the schools initiative. So I think the business community is coming around and the superintendent very deliberately has made the rounds to Chamber of Commerce. You know, he's been to every Chamber of Commerce event he can. So you're seeing a little bit of a, you know, closing of that rift. You mentioned oversight, and that seems to be a critical piece to a lot of these things, because if the voters don't trust the districts, they sometimes will trust the people who are brought in to pay attention to what the districts are doing. I've seen that in many successful tax referendums, and, and like you mentioned, they've been all over the state as 
And, and if people are wondering why this is important, it's because school districts are finding that they need to tax themselves in order to get the money that they need that the state won't provide. But these oversight committees are filled with local community people. And in Hillsborough County, you're talking about the sheriff and the former head of University of South Florida, who also is the education commissioner for the state of Florida and other really high profile people. How is that helping or how do you see that as as making a difference in the way that they're able to promote this and say, do they say, even if you don't trust us, trust them? Yeah, and it's a, it was a very smart move. I mean, they they were very, very wise to, you know, we have Betty Caster, Sheriff Chronister, both very well respected, high profile. One is a prominent Democrat, the other is a prominent Republican. So, you know, you've got both sides covered. And I, I think the question is, will they, okay, will people vote that far down on the ballot? It's getting awareness out there, uh, you know, and I, I just, a, a lot of people are not aware of it. And that's where I, I feel like the, the PTAs and the teachers, you know, they, they really do need to go door to door on this and they, they need to get the word out. But, you know, but the, the oversight committee itself, yeah, you, you could not find two more credible people to head it up. Um, I believe they will do their job in terms of making sure that the $1.3 billion is spent the way the district has committed to spending it. There's another level of oversight, however, that I do not necessarily see coming from them. And that's the part where you really get into the weeds and you really get into the trenches and you ask yourself, are there things that could be improved in the district's facilities division? Because, you know, one question I don't really have fully answered is why is it that schools that were built only 10 years ago, only 12 years ago, need millions of dollars in air conditioning upgrades? And I'm looking at the list right now. I'm looking at Strawberry Crest High School, which was built in 2007. I'm looking at Steinbrenner High School, which was built in 2006. So these are not old schools. These are relatively new schools. And so I don't know if there are issues in the way the district is run that that might contribute to, to the fact that, that, that these buildings are not maintained. So the oversight committee... So the oversight committee is not actually doing the operations. It's just doing the expenditure side. That's what I suspect. And, and I don't know a lot about the oversight committee. I mean, they have committed to us that they will meet in the sunshine. We will be watching them. And, but quite honestly, if this thing passes and, and we're kind of waiting and seeing if it passes, but Assuming that it does pass, which I, I think maybe it will, I, I, think, I think people are, you know, upset enough about their children coming home soaking wet, you know, soaked through their clothes, I, I think people will vote for it. But once that happens, yeah, I, I think it's worth looking at how the district runs its maintenance um, and, and just seeing, and, and I don't know, may, maybe it couldn't be done any better. You know, maybe it's just a matter of money. I, I really don't know for sure. 
Well, I know that we saw that with Broward County, they passed an $800 million bond referendum not long ago, and they have come back many times in stories in the Sun Sentinel talking about delays to the projects, cost overruns, and things that are causing projects not to get done. And they've led to audits and things like that and, and criticism of the people who are in charge of those departments. So I know it's not outside the realm of possibility that just because you get more money doesn't mean you do a good job. Yeah, and what's a little bit disconcerting, and I've had some calls from people who work in maintenance, and there's there's really no um, continuity. There, there, they, uh, the first person says it's because of the managers, and the second person says it's because of the union, and then the third person who called me a few days ago said, well, the principals are prima donnas. You know, they want their office painted three different colors, but they don't take care of the crack in the sidewalk, and so. So you, you really don't see a lot of consistency, and, and some people are loyal to one manager, some people are lo loyal to another manager. Something else that was pointed out to me, they use a lot of contractors because they have so many vacancies in the maintenance department. Um, Opaga found they have 78 vacancies, which is just out, you know, astonishing. So they bring in um, contractors to do some of the work, but the contractor can't do the work right away. Sometimes they have to submit an estimate, and then that delays the work. So I, I hear about a lot of different problems, and I don't know how much of this is, you know, somebody's disgruntled, so they decided to call the newspaper. But I think that's something that needs to be looked at because, again, air conditioners should not be falling apart if after they cost millions of dollars and the school is only 12 years old. Yeah, usually when I hear about these sales taxes, they're usually to help build new things, not to fix new things. So uh, I guess the first hurdle for them is to get it passed and then start looking at how they're going to actually do the work and do it well. And you're going to be there. Yeah, and, and I'll just end by saying they do need the money. And I don't think it's being too dramatic to call this a humanitarian crisis. It is. You know, when your child comes home with heat exhaustion, it, it's, you know, you know, there's there's not much question. Well, we know that there were 10 tax measures by school districts in the primary election that passed. None failed. There are, I believe, eight on the ballot in November for school districts because they're continuing to look for more money to pay for things that, the, again, the state has for one reason or another not covered. So Hillsborough is among them and we will have more information on November 7th. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. It's, it's been a lot of fun talking about this. That's the end of our conversation and the end of this podcast. If you'd like to join in, please visit our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook. To continue following the latest in Florida breaking education news, go to our blog, www.tampabay.com slash blogs slash gradebook. If you have a minute, please continue to review and share our podcast. We'd like to get it out to as many people as possible, and, and your help is invaluable. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks again for listening.